This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. You're pregnant and you're tired. You're newly postpartum and you're exhausted. Is sleep deprivation just a harmless part of pregnancy and postpartum, or should it be taken more seriously? I'm Dr. Barbara Perry, professor of psychiatry at the University of California, San Diego. And today we're learning all about the mental and emotional health aspects of sleep in pregnancy. This is Preggy Pals. Um, is that a plus sign? Pink or blue? Hospital or home birth? What type of food should I be eating? I think I just peed myself. I'm pregnant and I have to exercise. What pregnancy glow? Wait, was that a contraction? <laughs> Gotta make these pants fit. I've got kinkles. What do you mean there's more than one? You've got the symptoms and now you've got the support you need for a happy nine months. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. Welcome to Preggy Pals, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Preggy Pals is your online, on-the-go support group for expecting parents and those hoping to become pregnant. I'm your host, Stephanie Glover. Thanks to all of our loyal listeners who have joined the Preggy Pals Club. Our members get special episodes, bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. See our website for more information. Another way that you can stay connected is by downloading our free Preggy Pals app available in the Android, iTunes, and Windows marketplaces. Samantha, our producer, is now going to give us some information about our virtual panelist program. Thanks, Stephanie. So if you're not in San Diego, but you want to be part of our discussion here at Preggy Pals, we have this program called the Virtual Panelist Program. So go over to New Mommy Media Facebook and the Preggy Pals Facebook. Like us and follow us on Instagram using hashtag Preggy Pals. We'll post our questions before the show starts, and if you comment, we can incorporate your thoughts into our episode. To learn more, head over to our website, www.preggypals.com. Great. Thank you. So we'll go ahead and just uh, introduce ourselves as panelists. I'll go ahead and start. My name is Stephanie Glover. I'm 32 years old. I'm the host of Preggy Pals and as well as a stay-at-home mom to two daughters. Gretchen is almost three and Lydia is 10 months old. My uh, Both of my births were hospital births. The first was a cesarean and the second a VBAC. Hey, everyone. I'm Sunny. <laughs> <laughs> Samantha and I are going to duke out who goes next. <laughs> um, I am uh, the owner of New Mommy Media, which produces this show, as well as Parent Savers, Twin Talks, and The Boob Group. And I am mommy to four children, currently under the age of four, all of them. So my oldest is turning four at the end of uh, next month. And my middle guy is two years old. And I have identical twin girls who are um, about seven and a half months old now. And so, uh, birth wise, I had my first was a vaginal birth, and then I had two cesarean births. All right. I'm Samantha. I'm the producer of Preggy Pals. I'm 22 years old. I am the mom to a 20 month old named Olivia. Um, she was an unplanned cesarean birth, and I'm hoping for her to be back sometime in the future. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Saks.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. 
Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com. One of our listeners writes in with a question for our experts. She writes, I've read that waiting to cut the umbilical cord for up to three to five minutes has quantifiable benefits for the baby. If I'm considering cord blood donation to a public bank, not for private use, is there less likelihood there will be enough cells, blood, etc. in the cord if we wait to cut? I think on one of your recent podcasts, I heard that up to 70% of donations are discarded because there's not enough use. Thanks. Hi, my name is Dr. Nicholas Kapitanakis, and I'm a board-certified OBGYN in San Diego, California. Uh, I just wanted to respond to a great question that was asked about cord blood banking and also waiting for the cord to stop pulsating. The research does show that if you do wait uh, up to three to five minutes for the cord to stop pulsating at the time of delivery, then when you do go to collect for cord blood banking, whether it's for private or for donation, that there is a, a lower volume. And it would make sense that the majority of that blood flow would flow to the baby. There is some that goes back to the placenta. However, when you go to collect, the volume that you do have left in the collection kit is less. Sometimes when uh, you are doing it for donation, if the numbers are not high enough, the uh, cord blood uh, company will reject the sample as not enough cells um, for use. If you are doing it for private banking in my personal practice, I do talk to patients about maybe doing a delayed clamping for a minute and then obtaining the cord blood uh, so that we can have enough volume in the cord blood collection kit and also give some to the baby. Now, for years, we used to cut the cord immediately, but now we're realizing that there are uh, benefits to the baby if we do the uh, delayed cord clamping. I hope that answers your question. I hope you have a great day. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Today we're going to be talking about how sleep in pregnancy affects the mental and emotional well-being of pregnant women. Joining us here in our studio is Dr. Barbara Perry, professor of psychiatry at the University of California, San Diego, where she is director of research of the Women's Mood Disorders Clinic. Welcome to Preggy Pals, Dr. Perry. It's great to have you. Thank you. How important is sleep in pregnancy, and why is it so important? Sleep is important not only in pregnancy, but other times. First, it plays a restorative function to the brain. It helps in memory consolidation. Uh, Without sleep, your immune system is compromised. Um, But one thing I'd like to emphasize is that um, one of my uh, colleagues, Dr. Thomas Weir at the National Institutes of Health, has emphasized that um, our ancestors and animals have two epochs of sleep where they sleep in the early part of the night, then they have a period of quiet wakefulness, and then they have a second epoch of sleep. And during that period of quiet wakefulness is when prolactin, our mellow hormone, is secreted. Um, That's the hormone that's also involved in lactation. Um, 
And in our modern day society, we feel like we have to truncate our sleep into you know seven or eight hours, and people get very anxious if uh, they don't get this seven or eight hours of sleep. And I would say one of the first things to say to pregnant postpartum women is that you know there's a lot of redundancy in the system. The designer accounted for having to be up at times. Uh, so losing a partial night of sleep is not a big issue. <laughs> It will not cause a major depression, but a depression can cause sleep disturbance, and I think the emphasis needs to be there. Um, so it's more chronic stress and chronic sleep disturbances that are uh, problematic. So um, you know, going to sleep early, like if, if you go to sleep when the sun goes down, and then you have a period of quiet wakefulness where you're in touch with your dreams or you're talking to God, is, and then you go back to sleep is the, really the more natural state of sleep. So I think it would behoove women if they're, you know, they wake during the middle of the night and they're sleeping quietly, that that's healthy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's actually uh, more to be recommended than trying to, you know, cram it into seven or eight hours and then getting very anxious. Oh, I didn't get my eight hours of sleep last night. I'm not going to be able to function. I imagine that takes some pressure off. <laughs> yes. And um, I think that, uh, you know, sleep hygiene is probably the best way to uh, treat sleep disturbances. I mean, going to bed around the same time every day. People get into trouble when they, for example, get up at 6 a.m. every day for work and then they try to go to uh, sleep in at 10 a.m. on the weekend. We call that social jet lag, and that's associated with eating disturbances and weight disturbances, and so staying on a regular sleep schedule is very important. And how do naps come into play, like throughout the day? Is that recommended? Or? Well, there's two primar uh, primary drives for sleep. We call them the process C and process S. There's a homeostatic drive, which if the longer you're awake, the more you're likely to go to sleep. And that's what we call a circadian drive. So it's hard to sleep at like 7 p.m. at night um, or 10 in the morning. And so those interact. So you may have noticed that if you stay up late partying, you're still going to wake up at your usual time. Well, that's actually pretty healthy. So, um, you know, taking naps in the afternoon, which is going to be very common for pregnant women because progesterone is secreted. Progesterone is like essentially an anesthetic in animals. It puts animals to sleep. And when progesterone goes up in pregnancy, um, you know, like tenfold, so women are going to be sleepy and uh, for the most part. And uh, so if you're sleeping in the afternoon, though, then you're not likely to sleep at night. So uh, I think, you know, you should give into it. Uh, but, you know, taking uh, not more more than about an hour or two of a nap is probably for the best. And, of course, no caffeine or alcohol. I mean, alcohols, people think that that helps them sleep, but that's All terrible during pregnancy, and it right. just wakes <laughs> them up. And, and then the other thing that um, is important with people can't sleep is we have what we call a pious parchment pile, a PPP. You don't mm -hmm. want to wake and toss and turn and... You want to get up and read your pious parchment pile. It could be the history of education in the U.S. You know, I have my <laughs> medical journals. Um, so you want to be able to um, not just use the bed for sleep. So you don't want, and you shouldn't watch TV in the bedroom. You want to associate the bedroom with sleep. So 
let's say if you can't sleep, you get up, you write in your worry journal, you read your PPP until you feel the wave of sleep coming back. But um, this idea that the, the room bedroom is for TV, TV is very activating for your brain, so you do not want to be watching TV in the bedroom. I'm guilty of that. I, I don't am know too. about you. <laughs> I am too. Um, and then I don't, I don't know about how your pregnancies were for you with fatigue, but I remember in the beginning, I, I was so tired that I couldn't not maybe take a little cat nap in the car on my lunch break when I was mm-hmm. still working. So, mm-hmm. um, but you would recommend just giving in as long as it's not over an hour. Or? Well, that's adaptive. I mean, one yeah. of your functions of progesterone. So women are out, you know, running a marathon, overdoing <laughs> right. it when they're pregnant. You want to be. Um, you know, staying by the hearth and getting some rest. And so it's probably uh, adaptive for that purposes. But And what are some signs of uh, sleep deprivation? Is that just, you know, is it just the normal part that, of pregnancy to just feel really tired and get on with it? Or are there ways that we can treat it? Actually, it, it sounds ironic, but um, if you're sleep deprived at a, a critical stage um, for an let's say for at least like four hours. It kicks in your thyroid. And it's one of the uh, great paradoxes of life, but if someone has a depression, if you keep them up all night, a majority of them are, of women are better the next day, men and women. So it, it is very, very activating. Uh, and then they, that allows them to go back to sleep the following night. So again, I reiterate this point of, um, you know, not being able to sleep too well one night is um, not a problem. And the progesterone is probably influencing the sleepiness and is a good thing. I mean, it's meant to keep you sort of taking a nap in the middle of the day and not overdoing it. If a woman hasn't really recovered um, the instances of of sleep deprivation, like on a smaller scale, if, if she's just having problems sleeping for maybe several days, weeks, are there anything, any additional things that she can do? Is anything recommended for, for treatment beyond um, just scheduling your sleep and taking the TV out of the room? Um, I want to emphasize one thing not to do because I saw this on this write-up. You don't want to take melatonin. Okay. Melatonin is inhibitory to the reproductive system. Um, in animals and hamsters, it's an elegantly designed system, but when if you're a hamster, when there's uh, increased darkness, Uh, during the winter months, there's more melatonin secreted. That melatonin shuts down the reproductive axis. So the hamster doesn't reproduce during the winter when there's no food. And so when the spring comes and there's more light, that suppresses the melatonin. And that allows for then a recrudescence of the reproductive system. Hmm. And from what we know, humans are what we call photoperiodic. They also change with the seasons. It may not be as apparent. So you don't want to be taking melatonin to shut off your reproductive system. I mean, it's a pretty robust system. So, you know, to maintain the pregnancy, you've got, you know, plenty of your estrogen and progesterone around. But some people think, oh, you know, these over-the-counter things. And I would say no. That's fascinating. fascinating. Do Do you not recommend melatonin? in general for anybody say um you know a male of childbearing age that's taking melatonin because he can't sleep on a regular basis do you even discourage that because it's just generally not good for your reproductive system at all uh, no no i think it's it can be very helpful for shifting the circadian rhythm oh, okay so for example if someone is um 
you know, we tend to be either larks or owls, mm-hmm. morning people or evening people. You know, as Bed Franklin said, the earlier to bed, early to rise makes a person healthy, wealthy, and wise. And so, and, and people who are more owls tend to have more problems with weight gain and sleep disturbance and mood disturbances. Mm-hmm. But light is the most powerful synchronizer of um, circadian rhythm. So if you get out and it's got to be bright light and you got to have your eyes open. But if you go, let's say you're an owl type person, you can't get to sleep, taking a walk in the early morning hours will help shi- uh, shift that rhythm earlier. And um, light in the evening uh, will tend to shift it later. Now, you know, women from our studies, the women who uh, tend to be pregnant or who are pregnant tend to be more shifted earlier and the women who are postpartum tend to be shifted later. That's the effect of the changing reproductive hormones um, from all the evidence we have. So um, the other way you can you know, improve sleep is you get out and you're active and you get light during the day, that's gonna increase your mel- natural melatonin at night and help you sleep better. So the healthy lifestyle of you know, activity and light uh, there's, you know, there's more of a contrast in making sure the room is cool and dark. So the brain thrives on that contrast. So, you know, just sort of being in dim light uh, is not not good for our brains, and we have more awakening. So. Oh, how interesting. interesting yeah. Well, great. So when we come back, we'll discuss uh, sleep in relation to mood disorders. We'll be right back. So welcome back. Today on Preggy Pals, we're discussing sleep and pregnancy in regards to mental and emotional health. Dr. Barbara Perry is our expert. So can sleep deprivation lead to other mental or emotional conditions? Well, I want to emphasize that, for example, depression, one of the most characteristic features of depression is sleep disturbance, and it often heralds the onset of a depression. So for example, a woman who is uh, postpartum after delivery, if she can't sleep, uh, even when the child is sleeping, we want to watch her very carefully because that can predate the onset of a depression. So, um, and ironically, this is one of life's great paradoxes, but if you take someone who is depressed and you keep them up all night, you don't even have to keep them up all of night, just half of the night, a majority of them are better the next day. It works better than any antidepressant. The problem is, is that when they go back to sleep, they may get their depression back again. So we're now trying to, using if we can get this antidepressant effect of restricting sleep, then we can maintain it with light. But light just takes longer to work. So we're trying to, at least in our studies, and they've done this in other studies as well, we're focusing on the pregnant and postpartum women. We try to get the antidepressant effect and then maintain it uh, with light. So it's much more that um, sleep and depression are linked. So you don't really cause by, you know, a night of sleep deprivation, you don't cause a major depression. That would take like six months of, you know, stress and chronic insomnia, and it might exacerbate it. But, you know, if you've been up all night on, for whatever reason, you may find that you feel a little buzzed, you know, and that's your thyroid's kicking in. So you may actually feel more energized. So, and most antidepressants, ironically, work 
by knocking out a, uh, a certain stage of sleep called rapid eye movement or REM sleep when we do most of our dreaming. And so uh, there was an investigator who just woke people up when they went into this REM sleep and it had antidepressant effects. So there was a very tight link between sleep and depression, but most of the, if you've got a depression, uh, inevitably you're probably gonna have sleep disturbance, but sleep disturbance in and of itself does not lead to major mental illness. That's great to know. And, and I don't know, have either of you experienced that buzz that she talks about? Like you were up all night maybe with the baby and you just don't think you can function, but all of a sudden you have maybe some bursts of energy. Have you either of you felt that? Yeah, like a second wind yeah. almost. It's like you were so tired in the morning because you hadn't slept very well. But in the afternoon it was like, okay, like this is all right. Maybe I'll make it until 8 p.m. when I know I can go back to sleep. So yeah, I think there were a lot of days in the early postpartum days when I did have that. Yeah, I, I can even see it now. My daughter's 10 months, but not not a good sleeper. So we're still up. S- some nights it feels like I still have a newborn. Um, and there, you know, you get up in the morning and part of you is thinking, oh, I, I don't know how I can, I don't know how I can go go through this day. And part of me wondered if it was mind over matter because I would mm-hmm. notice, oh, all of a sudden I've cleaned the house and I don't know where I drew upon this energy. <laughs> but Maybe it wasn't my mind over matter at all. (laughs) Well, I should let you know that that melatonin in the child usually goes up about three months postpartum. So it's about three months when most children start sleeping through the night. Can you give babies melatonin? (laughs) They've begun to. They have begun to. (laughs) Because mine's 10 months old and it's not looking looking anytime soon. Um, and so you mentioned this light study. Um, is that used as a treatment yet, or is this still just being looked into more? Well, it is an experimental treatment. Okay. Um, but yes, again, ironically, you know, women who are depressed either during pregnancy or postpartum are not always good candidates for medication. There are right. some medications that can be used safely, but many women choose not to use them. So we find that if we Ironically, keep them up just for half the night. It has to be a, a, like four hours straight. It can't be just tossing and turning. And it's depending upon if their biological rhythms are shifted earlier or later. We keep them up either in the first half of the night or the second half of the night. And a majority of them feel much better the next day. And um, then we maintain that effect with the light treatment. And again, the timing of the light depends upon their own internal rhythms. So we are trying to develop non-pharmacologic treatments for this. And if anyone in the San Diego area is interested in participating, can I mention the number? Absolutely. Uh, And so that number is area code uh, 619-543-7393. Great. Thank you. And are there any effects uh, on the baby of the sleeplessness that can occur in, in pregnancy and postpartum? Are there any direct, directly related effects to the baby? Well, we know that depression definitely affects the fetus as well as the infant, and that has long-term repercussions. So, um, a little, you know, one night of partial sleep deprivation, we've not noticed any um, adverse effects. But if you can bring someone out of a depression, you're definitely going to be helping the child, uh, again, in utero or postpartum. And we can get that effect within one day, uh, unlike most other 
for example, antidepressant medications that take at least, you know, three, three weeks to work. So, and they usually then, when we monitored their sleep, the, um, the sleep improves the following night. What happens is their melatonin and their circadian rhythms are maladjusted in terms of the time with the timing with relation to sleep. And so this sort of like resets the rhythm. It's sort of like if you had an irregular heartbeat, uh, if you have a little bit of a shock, you set reset the uh, rhythm. And so we're essentially resetting the rhythm. We're overriding the irregularity. So if it affects the child, do we know in what ways, and I don't want to get too medical on this, but um, in what ways it can impact a child, like sleep deprivation for the mother who is pregnant, do we know what that can do to a baby in utero exactly? No, because, I mean, I think it's natural that a woman's going to use, you know, lose sleep at some point. Yeah, I mean, if you're like a whale, you migrate down for six months the whale gets no sleep (laughs) if you're a dolphin it only sleeps on half of their brain yeah and so whoever designed the system is going to account for that okay so we have not noticed you know i mean any way we can measure it we've not observed any abnormal effects and but again i need to emphasize that uh, a depression we know Mm -hmm. will uh, will affect the fetus and the child and so in, in relation to light and just other environmental factors, so we know maybe no TV in the room, um, but what other things can we do within our sleeping environment to help us? Do blackout curtains help? Um, sort of any other, anything we could do with Yes, a cool, dark room. And the other factor that regulates sleep is temperature. So the idea of a hot bath, you know, around four to five hours before uh, sleep onset time, you know, or exercise around, you know, like... 4 to 6 p.m. Um, because basically that heats up your core body temperature and then you need to reduce that. You need to like hibernate. Mm-hmm. So the old nightcaps and the socks at the beginning of bed so that you're warm when you go to bed, but then it allows you to uh, expand your arteries and veins and lose heat. Uh, so it should be, you know, you should be have warm feet and a warm head when you go to bed. <laughs> And then you should have a very cool, dark room, you know, without noise. <laughs> uh, you shouldn't have, you know, a lot of light. And if you get up to use the um, the restroom, you should not turn on bright lights because that will shut down your melatonin. So you want to have those little night lights and very dim lights. Um, I remember my mom came to visit, and I purposely had, you know, my the lights over my uh, bathroom sink. I were very dim. She goes, oh, you need to get new lights. <laughs> and I said, no, no, because uh, Dr. Seisler from Harvard has recommended that you <laughs> really keep these lights very dim. <laughs> and you should probably then turn the, the cell phone yeah. messages yeah. off so that that's not waking you yes, up. Yes, and the computer. Right. All There's of that is probably ranks right up there with TV, right, as far yeah. as stimulating yourself. Right. And, yeah. And then things like... Um, you know, tryptophan uh, is in milk and bananas, and that is the precursor to serotonin, which helps you sleep. So a glass of warm milk a little before bedtime. Not big carbohydrate meals. Um, you know, bananas are good. And, you know, eating a healthy diet so that you're not... You need to have a period where you don't have a lot of calories during the middle of the night. 
um, to function well. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Perry, for joining us. Uh, For more information about Dr. Perry and the Women's Mood Disorders Clinic, as well as the study for light and for sleep and light therapy in relation to pregnancy and postpartum depression, that phone number again is 619-543-7393. And that's um, available to San Diego listeners. You can also check out more of that information on our website, preggypals.com. This conversation continues for members of our Preggy Pals Club. After the show, Dr. Perry is going to be discussing sleep deprivation, postpartum, and in relation to breastfeeding. To join our club, visit our website, preggypals.com. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hello, Preggy Pals. I am Crystal Studendeck, maternity fashion expert and founder of Borrow for Your Bump, where you can buy or rent maternity styles for a monthly rate. Today, we are going to talk about the upcoming fall fashion trends for moms-to-be. These little ideas and wardrobe essentials are stylish and versatile as your bump grows and can easily transform your look as a new season approaches. Trend number one is the long-sleeve mini. The key to this statement dress is to show skin in some areas while keeping others covered up. We love long sleeve styles that show off more legs. The trick is to keep the fit loose and flowing. Add a belt or tie over the bump, which will create curves. For fall, we love the colors of condiments. Think olive greens and mustard yellows. To tie this look together, avoid a skinny heel and try a comfy wedge boot. Trend two is sexy stripes. Whether you are more on the hippie side or if you want to create curves, stripes is one detail that works for many body types. Thick with thinner stripes, and dark colors. Wider stripes can make your bump and backside appear larger. Focus on a fit that hugs your curves and has ruched sides. This type of dress looks good on many body types, whether you want to create curves or even balance wide hips. Tie the look together with some flat knee-high boots. For our third trend, prints are all the hype this fall. Have fun with different styles, but make sure that the colors match. We love a silky print dress for a more dressed-up look with purple and aqua tones. Dress prints down by taking a fun print blouse and pair with skinny jeans. For colors, we love orange and navy and cream with a tan boot. You're probably seeing this next trend everywhere, leather. We love this look for moms-to-be. Pair a comfy pair of stretched leather leggings with a basic gray sweater, or for a retro look, try a navy polka dot blouse and a fun, rusty colored heel. Add a fun hair piece like a birdcage for a sleek style. Our final trend for fall is dressed-up details. An incredible cocktail dress that can be worn from fall into winter is a must-have. Ice up the standard little black dress and find a style with beaded detail on an empire waist. An LBD with a little bit of lace is also seasonless. Many of these fall trends can be found at borrowforyourbump.com. Enter promo code PREGGYPALS at checkout to save 20% on your entire order. Thanks for listening to today's fall fashion trends, and be sure to listen to Preggy Pals for more great pregnancy tips. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Preggy Pals. Don't forget to check out our sister shows, Parent Savers for parents with newborns, infants, and toddlers, Twin Talks for parents of multiples, and our show, The Boob Group for moms who, who breastfeed their babies. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. 
This has been a new Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of new Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.